Amen. We want the ushers to come. Those who are going to receive the offering this morning, amen, as we prepare to transition just a bit. Just a few quick announcements. Thursday, uh, Mommy and Me, let's get messy in the youth room. 10 a.m. Um, Saturday will be the food bank. 9 a.m. Amen. Is everybody all right back there? And don't forget General Conference this week. Pastor is traveling. Should be back next weekend. Amen. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless the offering. God, we love you today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. God, we ask your blessings upon the offering. God, we pray, God, that you would use it, God, for the building of your kingdom. God, bless it. Multiply it. God, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'm just playing. She probably back there practicing with the praise team. But um, um, she always go back. That's why we have we have something today that the apostles couldn't say. We have YouTube. <laughs> so these tools, we're going to use them, even though there's a lot of things that are created. And it's not created many times for evil because these things are inanimate objects. But we can use them for the benefit of the kingdom. Hallelujah. And to spread the gospel. So this morning, hallelujah, if you could open up your word to Matthew 25, 1. And I'm not going to have you stand because this is a fairly lengthy read. But the Lord knows that we honor him. When I'm at home reading my Bible, I am sitting. Or sometimes laying. And unfortunately, sometimes sleeping. But <laughs> so I try to remain standing. I mean sitting, not standing. Maybe I should stand up. Maybe that keep me from going to sleep, huh? <laughs> uh, that's how soothing the word. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's how soothing the word of Christ is. Hallelujah. That is so good that I find comfort. You know, with, with, with Jonah, they said that the ship was just being tossed everywhere. And they said, what? That Jonah was down in the bulkhead sleeping, snoring away with his seat half on. You know, and not waking up anybody else. But he was sleeping in that storm. You know, you got you you, you had a your Clarodon and he just sitting up in that snooze. That's how I am with the Lord. I'm sleeping well, you know. Hallelujah. But praise the Lord. So we're going to be reading in Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Hallelujah. And what we're talking about this morning is we're talking about the spirit of expectation. The spirit of expectation. Hallelujah. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to break anything down, but the Bible does have throughout it. In our English lexicon, we have the word expectation that is being used many times. And especially when you arrive to the New Testament, you will see that the um, um, Paul is talking a lot about expectation. But I want to bring us a little bit farther today because I think as the scripture were written in Hebrew, and then the New Testament in Greek, which was like the English of the day. If you wanted to do business, you had to know Greek. When you went to school, you had to learn Greek. Just like over in China, the people, English is a language that you take. And it's not like the foreign language we take here. I took three years of French. And I only know a couple of words, and all of them have to do with food. But these people, the Grecian culture, the Lord used what? Oh man, this is a whole nother thing. This started being a whole trick this week. I even went back to Daniel and read about the four kingdoms that was coming. And um, it's just amazing. It's just how powerful the word of God is and how if you know your history or have a love for history or don't because it still affects you, how God used the things of history to make the gospel come to full fruition. There's no way you can stop this train, baby. It is coming. The Lord is returning. He's coming back. And he's using everybody. He's using every president, every king, every palace, every principal. Hallelujah. For his benefit, whether righteous or evil, it all belongs to him because he is the one that made it all. Oh, hallelujah. But as we read Matthew 25, let me open up my word. And uh, I'm going to be reading in the um, NIV. So just bear with me. Sometimes there's some things. There have a couple of books I study with. My main one, for great reason, is uh, the KJV. And that's because it was written and translated for, um, to English for a specific purpose. And that is to stay as closely and tight connected 
with Greek. But also sometimes, you know, there's a, a not a mistranslation, but a deep understanding because in English, we have one word that means many things. In Greek, we have one word that means one thing. So therefore, I want to help us today. All right, so in the NIV, it reads, At the time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So these are the brides. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The, bride, the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamp. Hey, who remembers the trimming of the lamp? Anybody in here? I just want to see. Uh, raise your hands. All right, so we got a couple of us. All right, so anyway, when you have a lamp, you know, and, and, and when you're a little bit longer in the tooth, especially standing, you know, even though I lived in the South, whenever they had a hurricane or something, we had these little kerosene lamps that we had used, right? And, uh, and you also had the big kerosene. But what it was was you had to trim the little wick. The little wick was made of a fiber of cotton and another type of material that was less caustic than some other thing. And when you turn it up, you had to turn it up just right because the oil is in there and it's soaking up this oil. But if you didn't trim it, that thing was going to blow out a lot of smoke. And you would smoke yourself out. You know, it was already had bad having lamps in the house, kerosene heaters and all that. But we also had the little, the, the little handheld lamps. When power went out, you know, back in the 70s, it went out a lot. <laughs> and 80s, you know, now less and less. Now we go without the light. It's like people lose their mind. They ain't worried about the lights. What they be tripping on is the internet going out. But it, <laughs> because they're doing their Bible reading on their phone. <laughs> That's why you got to have one of these. You got to have a paper copy. This is my copy. The one on my phone belongs to whoever that app maker is. <laughs> that one's free. But praise the Lord. But um, but anyway, so they went out to trim their lamps. I, um, then all the birds woke up. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. You see, so they had some oil, but they only had a little bit left. You know, we want to look at this. This is the anointing. Um, no, they replied. These are the wise, uh, the wise birds are saying, no, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us, um, us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Meaning, go to church and get your own anointing. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Go to church and get your own anointing. Yeah. You meet me here at work, and you ask me to pray for some situation that you done got yourself in with some foolery. <laughs> but the thing is, you have to pray for yourself. You know? You have to go and be fed for yourself. You have to go eat for yourself. You know, Paul says we have to go from, from, from milk to steak. You know, and you can't, you, we don't eat steak every day, but the thing is, it's an important part of the body. Hallelujah. Um, let's see. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him in the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for all of us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. Mm, this is Jesus. Isn't he always saying that? He said, I'm telling you the truth because I am the truth. So anybody who tells you about their truth, somebody else's truth, you tell them there's only one truth. And that's the truth of Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 
I don't know you. That's what Jesus said. I don't know you. Who is you? If he is in Georgia. <laughs> Therefore, Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or hour. Now, who here knows the day or hour that the Lord is coming? I have no idea. I have no idea. But I knew that I know there's one thing that I've learned in my time. And I think that the Lord does all things for the benefit of the kingdom. And when I was in the military, some of the operations that we do, we had two types of operations that were very similar. We had a, a, um, um, a raid or a hasty attack or a deliberate attack where we go to the enemy. And then we had where the enemy came to us, and it was called an ambush. Now, both of these tactics are very similar. The only thing is, in one, you pick the location, and the enemy picks the time. I mean, you pick the time. Right? So you pick the location and the time with a raid. But with an, a hasty attack or a, um, I mean, an ambush, the enemy picks the location, but you pick the location and the enemy picks the time. See? So with a raid, we go into them. With an ambush, they're coming to us. You better watch out. You better know what you're fighting with the enemy. Because the enemy, you might think that you're doing a raid, but the enemy will ambush you. So we have to be careful of these things. Um, Reverend Fowler, can you pray for this word? Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, today. We ask your blessings, God, upon Brother Munda, and anoint our hearts and our minds, God, to receive a word from you. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for what he's doing. For the glory of the Lord. And for the minister that will be following me this afternoon, I'm preaching the afternoon service, being prayer for Reverend May Gordon. The Battle of Mogadishu is known in Somali as Malinti, which is Day of the Rangers. Malinti Rangers, which is Day of the Rangers. This was if, back in, actually, this came up to me because this is about 30 years ago, and this is what got me back in the military. I got out after Desert Storm, after serving a couple of years, um, from the 80s up until the early 90s. And, um, and I got out, but um, I was sitting nice and comfortable working at Wachovia Bank with um, um, about, you know, just just enjoying life or hating life, you know, going to this bank every day. You go in, the sun is up, and then when you come out, the sun is down because it was where all the money went. It was a hub where we collected all the checks, not money, but all the checks. And, um, and it was a decent paying job at the time, especially where the economy was at um, in the, in the mid-90s, early 90s. And... Um, but I got bored, you know, and I was like looking for things to do. So I was in college at the time, not doing well, living the party lifestyle. And then this horrific incident happened on 3 and 4 October 1993, which we're coming up on the 30th anniversary, which is crazy for me to fathom that this is, you know, that, that, that it was that long ago. Time awaits no one. But on October 3rd through 4th, 1993, um, um, U.S. forces planned to seize two of Adid. Adid was a um, was a warlord over in Somalia. All right, so Somalia is an area that has forever, um, or for a long time anyway, not forever, but for a long time has been run by basically by gangs and pirates. Um, unfortunately, um, much like where Haiti is at now since COVID, unfortunately, you know. Um, um, which is where my family came from in the late 1800s. Um, um, my great-grandmother was born in Haiti, 
and Port-au-Prince, and it's awful and egregious, and every time I see it, it's horrific, you know, and I do plan to do a mission there one day, hopefully, the Lord allows me to go down there and do a mission, um, whether safe or not, it's pretty dangerous now, so a lot of people have pulled out, but we need to be, please be in prayer for Haiti, be in prayer for the people, be in prayer for a move of God, hallelujah, in that place. So anyway, they were planning to seize two of um, Prince Anid's two top lieutenants during a meeting in the city. The raid was intended to only last an hour, but morphed into an overnight standoff and rescue operation extending into the daylight hours of the next day. While the goal of the operation was to achieve, was achieved, which they got, it was a, a fearic victory, meaning that it was a bittersweet, it was a sad victory, which spiraled into the battle of Mogadishu. As the operation was ongoing, Somali forces shot down three American Sikorsky Blackhawks helicopters using RPG-7s and crashed into deep in hostile territory. See, unfortunately, when these gentlemen went out to recover these helicopters and the people that was on these helicopters, which they took a couple of hostages, uh, like two or three hostages, they only think one or two hostages, um, unfortunately, the recovery team or the quick reactionary force went out to get them, but when they went, they thought, these guys thought they was going out just on a day mission, because it was early in the morning that they was doing it, you know, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. So that's like, well, you know, we'll be back before night. So what they didn't do, they didn't take the wick for their, for their they didn't take the oil for their lamps. They didn't take their night vision devices. And so when this helicopter, these helicopters got shot down as they were doing operations, they were good during the day. But they were outgunned, they were definitely outmanned, because they only had about, when they went out, they only had about a platoon-sized element, which is about 50, 60 guys, right? And they had a whole city that was after them. Just imagine, just imagine, being in Hinesville and it being a hostile area, and all of a sudden everybody is waking up on a Friday night, and then all they're doing all day is chasing you, trying to kill you. It's pretty scary stuff, pretty scary stuff. So anyway, these men were not prepared. Some of them didn't bring out their body armor or didn't wear their back body armor. Some of them didn't wear, which there was an incident that a general was shot and he was just injured and didn't die, thank God, but he wasn't wearing his body armor. They didn't bring enough batteries. They didn't bring the right equipment. And what it fell into was it fell into a calamity of not being prepared. I want to define something for us. We're going to look at the word expectation. Expectation is the plural noun, all right? Oh, well, expectation is singular, but the plural noun is expectations. Expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Reality had not lived up to someone's expectations. It's just a, you know, somebody might have a, an ID, an ideology of how something's gonna go, but the, the expectations never lived up to it, right? Or the expectation went beyond it. This one is something. It's a, um, 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 one of the, the archaic definition of it was one's prospects of an inheritance. One's prospect of an inheritance. Expectation. These five foolish and five wives had an expectation. Well, how did they have an expectation, and how do we know that they had an expectation? Well, we know they had an expectation because they had lamps, right? 
So they knew that the night would come. You know, the scripture says that there come a time, the night will come, where man won't be able to teach. I think we have that right now over in China. We have that over in Saudi Arabia. We have that in areas where the gospel can't be preached, or it can cost you your life. And most places, it would cost you your money, definitely. I knew when I was in Iraq that if you were not um, of the Islamic faith, or you were not a Muslim, you had to pay a tribute tax every year. So if you were Jewish, if you were a Christian, and you couldn't hold certain seats. This is before we, now I'm not going to say that, I have my own opinions of what's going on in Iraq, but <laughs> you're talking to me one-on-one. -on -one. But before Iraq went to what it is today, Iraq was pretty calm, besides having a leader that was just a, basically a Nebuchadnezzar. He was just, <laughs> he was just a big mouth bully that talked junk, but, but Iraq was a pretty, fairly peaceful place. It was very Americanized. I was shocked when I got there to look at some parts that looked like America. A lot of it looked like, like Pula. You know, when you go to northern Iraq, a city within, a, a country within a, a country. When you go to the Kurdistan part. And it was very, very calm place before we went in there and before it went into what it is today. Um, the amazing thing, though, is that the expectation that these women had was not fulfilled for them to be prepared. You see, coming to the Lord and coming to Christ, we have to be prepared. Because one day, each and every one of us walked through the doors of a church, whether it was this one or one that is somewhere in another city or state, or even off the continent, as mine was. But the main thing is that we have to understand that when we came to the Lord, you know, we're sitting here today, we have an expectation, but we want our expectation to grow into something bigger. We want our expectation to grow into something, something wider. We want expectation to grow into something that is connected with preparation. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians 5, and we're going to be reading 1 through 6. It reads, but of the times and the seasons, so think about this. Think about all the things we're hearing right now about climate change, about climate change with um, the multiple genders also. I think all this takes account, you know. Think about the climate change of, of um, people, you know. Think about what we saw was happening in Europe a couple of, about a year ago and everything, with them going into like the Louvre and um, all of these places in France. The Louvre is where they keep all their, their like the Mona Lisa and all this, right? It's a, it's a big crystal uh, pyramid on the outside of the building, right? And the people go in there and this is where they keep all their valuable works of art, you know, that are historically like, you know, up to 2,000, 3,000 years old, you know? And people throwing things on because they're upset about climate change and they're upset about how people, you know, somebody's not accepting. Not that they're not accepting, they're not promoting their lifestyles. But so we think about the time and season. The Lord says that there'll be times and seasons until he says so. So, you know, we, we, we don't want to destroy the earth because God put Adam here to do what? To till the ground, right? And this is before sin even came into the world. And he gave Adam and Eve, he told them, go out and take dominion over the world, right? And that meant, don't go destroy it, 
pour oil and all that in the rivers and all that. He wants us to keep it because it's all beautiful. He wants us to nurture, to take care because it's all of his creation. But in 1 Thessalonians, it continues, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Could have been this, this is the night that these um, ten virgins were waiting for, right? The five wise and the five not so wise or foolish, right? For when they say, when they shall say, peace and safety, then we think that because peace and safety, we give up a lot of things to have peace and safety. One, one, of, one of the great American fathers, um, I can't remember which one it was, I think it was, um, 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 I can't remember whether John Adams or Quincy Adams, one of them, said that any man that gives up his rights for peace, uh, gives up his rights for safety, deserves night. Any man that gives up his rights for safety deserves night. And here, we put peace and safety all in whoever the president is, whoever the senator is, whoever our governor is. But that's not where it's at. Our peace and safety is in the word of Christ. Because he even controls them. They don't have to be a believer. King Cyrus wasn't a believer. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a believer. You know, but the thing is, well, at least in the beginning, you just have to read that one a little bit longer. I don't know how it ended for him. But he understood who ran things here on earth. And the devil does also. He knows. But he just wants a little company right down there in, in Hades and hell. And he, he wants to take you with him. But you have to learn how to fight back. And fighting back is being prepared. And it says, for when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child. And they shall not escape. Four, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. We got to be ready, saints. We got to be prepared. We got to have our night vision devices ready. We got to have our wick ready and trim. We got to have a whole gallon of oil sitting right there out in our garage, prepared, waiting for the day of the Lord. Hallelujah. And it's coming. Ye are all the children of light. And the children of the day, here we go, we are not of the night, nor of the darkness, which is wild, because as a kid, I remember, you know, where I lived at, there, this road, this highway, Highway 1, which parallels at some point in time, 17, and it's amazing, my mom would always say, as we went past this road, she told the ladies of the night, oh, she's the ladies of the night, mama, why are those ladies standing out there, this lady of the night? <laughs> those are the ladies, ladies of the night. Noah, remember, the Bible said that things are done in the dark because man thinks he has his sin. But one day, somebody will shine light on it. And I always tell my children that your sins will sell you out. You will be found out. I was like, if we find out, I'm going to deal with you. So just think about that. The Lord is telling us the same thing right here in his scripture. He's saying that you will be found out. Your sins will find you out. We want to make sure that, you know, being fearful of the Lord is what got me here, but it's not going to keep me. Loving the Lord is what maintains people in relationship, right? 
That's what maintains it. Love maintains it. So if your fear doesn't turn to love, and when I say fear, I'm using a lex uh, loose lexicon. I'm talking about like a fear of reverence, a high respect, uh, uh, the, the, the one not to disappoint my God, my King, my Savior, but to live up to His, what He has planned for me. Because it says that He, in the beginning, from the foundation of earth, made a way for me. And no matter how bad it gets, no matter how much money's not in the bank, no matter how sick I am when I'm laying in the hospital, that the Lord has prepared a way for me to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And it continues and says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch. That means keep up with everything. Keep up with the news and the sins. Know what's going on. Be watchful for those signs will come. We always think that all the signs going to come through uh, Los Escados, Unidos. But it's not all here. We got everything. We're like the, we think we're like the center of the universe. But we have to keep an eye on what's going on in the world. What's going on in Israel? Israel is still God's people. Revelation say that. I don't know where we get out where we think that it's not about them anymore, that the Lord grafted us in. But the Lord grafted us in, but the signs are coming through the church. And the church, as the Israelite, the people that have the blood, right, we're going to see the sign mainly also coming from them. We're seeing a few signs now, but when we start seeing these people coming to truth, where we think the 144,000 come from, it talks about the 12 tribes. So the thing is, we have to be watchful and sober. And this isn't talking about your usual vibration. It's talking about, it, it, it's not talking about the alcohol. Well, it's not talking about alcohol in the liquid form, but it's talking about the alcohol of this world. It's talking about our own selfish desires, the wine of this world. But we better stick with the new wine, the, the, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost. We need to walk by that. We need to be strengthened by that. We need to listen to that. Because the Holy Ghost, is what is the true wine, the only wine. Everything else is a knockoff. Everything else is wild Irish rose. Everything else is, 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 is Thunderbird. Everything else is all of those things from back in the day. And now it's just ridiculous. Since they deregulated alcohol back in the late 90s, early 2000, anybody could make it. Man, you got people got breweries in their house. I'm like, you can't watch nothing on TV. You'll be watching a church sermon on TV and they got alcohol. Meet the world's greatest man or world's most handsome man or whatever man. I'm like, he's probably the world's most drunk man and most unsaved man. But the thing is, the Lord has something greater for us. He has the new wine, the infinite of the Lord. Get your feeling today. My cup running over. I want there to be a flow. I want him to reach out and touch everyone. Because Christ said, I draw all men unto I was reading, 
Um, some books with these many books that we have read. Reverend Bernard, man, his book, these things are big, man. It takes you a year to read through them. But the mandatory reading that I had, I was reading about Mr. Webster, who might have possibly been somewhat, you know, like pseudo-apostolic. But from what I read is that, you know, many people through time that believe in the apostolic doctrine as we do, they just didn't call themselves apostolics or Pentecostals, but they're Christians. They're men and women of God that read the word and got the fullness of it. But the amazing thing is that when he wrote the dictionary, he wrote it so that there could be a wide understanding to all the people. Because many years ago, just think about it, probably about a hundred years ago, this, this same Bible that I have right here, this Thompson Chain reference, that, I, that now today is only like about, you go to a store, you can buy one for about $30. But when I first came to the Lord about 20 years ago, this book right here was about $160. This book right here. So just imagine 100 years ago when people, they weren't writing it by hand, but they was using a press. And so therefore, everybody couldn't afford a Bible. You might have a piece or a portion of the Bible or just your scripture. But Webster, when, 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 when printing press came out, Webster went ahead and came up with a dictionary so every man and woman would be able to read and understand for themselves. That's gospel right there. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. But anyway, Webster, in, in the thesaurus, but this one was a British thesaurus, it had expectation and anticipation as being synonymous. I only got about five minutes, so I need to hurry up. But anyway, um... So here goes my definition quickly, or not a definition, but this is a great quote by a gentleman, James Clear. This gentleman, James Clear, has a weekly newsletter that is called the 321 Newsletter. Can't forget that one. Now, I don't know much about this man, so you don't have to go to him. I'm going to go look at it. It's about, you know, self-improvement, helping yourself to get better at things, focusing your life, making it where you're able to Get your thoughts together and plan out your life where you're able to, to walk according to what you're trying to do, whatever uh, um, um, objective you have in your life. So even more so us, as God's people, we want to make sure that we're walking in his light, but we also need to be, you can't be like Brother Monday. My stuff's just everywhere, but help me out. The Lord is working on me. And he's doing much better where I'm able to stay organized. I have so many things that go through my mind. But this right here I thought was a great definition of the difference between anticipate and expectation. It's really not a definition. It's just a refined understanding. Anticipate, but don't expect. I like that. You're anticipating. That means you're preparing. But don't expect. Anticipation. You're excited for what the future holds, but you don't try to control it. Expectation is you try to predict the future and restrict your happiness to one outcome. Always be excited about the possibilities, never be entitled to them. See, when you got an expectation, you just expect that things are gonna be accepted for just how you were found. This is how many people come to the Lord and come to Christ. They come to church and say, because we have this little thing now in modern day culture that the Lord takes us as we are. And that is true. But the Lord expects us to change and to be reformed, hallelujah. To be conformed, hallelujah. To be kingdom ready, to be acceptable to a holy God. And we can't get there without having 
expectation, which anticipation is expectation matched up with preparedness. But we're doing things every day we should be getting better. Reading our word, praying with our God, meditating, listening for his voice. So what these five foolish versions, what they did was they had an expectation. They didn't knew that somebody was coming because they had their oil, they had their lamps. But the thing is, they thought that they knew what time he was coming because they only had a smidgen of earl, as we say in Louisiana. Only a smidgen. So when the time went on in the bridegroom, because they didn't have a set date and time, their oil started getting low and started to run out. And then they got concerned. Are we going to get concerned when our house gets ravaged? When our children are taken away from us? They still live in the house, but the world is taking them. Because we're not doing our part. We're not bringing them to church. Or we are bringing them to church and we're not making them pay attention or asking questions or inquiry. I think all of us could use a little bit more preparation as we prepare them. Preparation. You know, what are we going to do in 40 years when Reverend Munden's no longer preaching and I'm sitting in these pews or on a pew somewhere else in America or overseas or whatever? But what am I going to do? Am I preparing the future? Am I preparing my children? Are we preparing our young people to take and grab that vat of oil and to continue on? The Lord could come back before the end of the services today and are we prepared? The Lord may not come back until 2100 but are you prepared? I think that we all have to think about where we want to be and just look at that point and set it. And we might not be able to reach that point in this lifetime in 30 or 40 years. But I know when Elder Wilson passed away a few years ago, one of my daughters approached me and said that she knew that he was going straight to heaven because he was such a kind and nice man. And he was. And all the times of riding with him, yes, he, yep, we could clap for that. But the amazing thing is that even Reverend Wilson, when I was talking with him one day, he said he still felt like he had so much to learn, even though he had saw so much. Walking for God from the, from the age of 19, 20 years old, all the way until his passing, I think he was 85 or 86. But he said he still had so much that the Lord, he still was evangelizing, even though he gave up, even though he had the church in Rome that he started, which is where I passed and received the Holy Ghost at, and got his early education, and that's where he did everything. And then Elder Wilson also raised up this church. What kind of preparation is that? That this elder prepared a way where we today have a pastor. If it had not been for that church, we may not have that pastor. That's preparation. That's preparation. Let us all stand as I close out. And Philippians 1, 19, this is what I love. For I know this, that shall turn, for I know this, oh, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through the, your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ.
That is the that's the oil. That's the wine for us, but it's the oil of representation. According to my earnest expectation, and here I'm gonna put, he says earnest expectation. So I'm gonna go ahead and take the word earnest and expectation, put them together, and put make an anticipation. And my hope, he got it paired up. Expectation plus hope equals, I'm going to get ready for this thing. That in nothing I shall be ashamed. But that with all boldness, as always, so know also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Whether it be by life or by death. One day, a rapture is going to happen. And the word says that we're going to be caught away. Those that are dead in Christ. The dead will rise first. And that means those that are sleeping. As I've gone through the scriptures and I saw it said those were, they're in the grave. They will be raised first. The ones that are seen that live for Christ. That unfortunately their boat went down. They will be raised. And then those of us that are still alive. Paul had an expectation. He said, those of us that are still alive. So he had an expectation 2,000 years ago. And today I want us to have an expectation. With these UFOs that only the United States Air Force has been talking about, show up. That's what they're going to say. That's what's going to be in the news. When I'm gone. When I'm out of here. When I'm wrapped. They're going to say, UFOs came to pick them up. The enemy, what a deceitful, cruel, evil, demonic spirit. But for us who are going with the Lord, we don't have to worry about UFOs. We don't have to worry about little green men. Because we got a God that is greater, that sits, hallelujah, at the pinnacle of the earth. Hallelujah. At the circuit of the air goes around the world. Hallelujah. The Lord is still here to reign.
uh, if you stand for the service, please be prepared. Just let this continue on as, uh, as Reverend Bigorn prepares to minister to us and, and that each and every one of us keep walking out our life. We're the book of Christ. We're the Holy Scripture that everybody sees everywhere we go. And just be in prayer that the Lord will use you mildly. Hallelujah. Well, to each and every one of you that are leaving this morning and uh, that is your service, we pray blessings over you. We pray anointing over you. And we pray that the Lord will continue to use you mightily in all things. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, Father, we are thankful, Lord, for the service, for the saints, Lord, that have come here, Lord, to be ministered to, Lord. We pray, Lord, that as they, Lord, are part of the kingdom, Lord, hallelujah, we pray, Lord, that they would come and put their hand to the shovel, Lord Jesus, and be a part, Lord, an intricate part, Lord, of this local assembly, Lord Jesus, that you may be able to use them mightily, Lord Jesus, for the propagation, Lord, of your kingdom. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. God bless. Go with God. Be blessed on your entire week. And please do not forget all of our announcements that are in the bulletin. And be blessed as you go on your way.